Hey everyone, how you doing? It's Nelly here. Today we're back for another sloppy seconds with the one and only Emma Race. Emma and I talk the joys of perimenopause because I'm right in the midst of it. We turn the tables and Emma gets to ask me a question. She asks me what it's like to be a newly single parent and if I miss those shared parenting moments. Spoiler alert, yes and no. We talk about how you know when it's time to leave a long-term relationship. Oof, that's a doozy. And what it's like to be a strong woman who wants her hand held. We take some awesome listener calls on how to ask for what you want in the boudoir and another one on vaginal atrophy. And before you laugh, yes, it's a real thing. As with all sloppy seconds, we end with Emma's thoughts on the biggest dating or relationships mistake she sees. As always, Emma is so smart and wise and kind, and I know you're going to enjoy her insights again. She's a wise old chook, that one. This podcast was recorded at my place. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And look, some huge news. Our next live show is this Saturday, the 20th of May. Now, I know I've already told you about it. Me and the magnificent Reuben Kay will be in conversation at Comedy Republic in Melbourne. We'll be both in person and live streamed. But what I can now confirm is that we'll be joined by the one and only Casey Bonetto. Yes, Casey Bonetto, the writer, creator and singer of the Dear Nelly theme song. He's going to join us for some tunes, including the theme song. He's going to sing it live and in the flesh. There's about 15 or 20 tickets left to the live show and unlimited streaming tickets. So get on it. Details in the show notes or at my website, nellythomas.com. Last but not least, this is a sex, dating and relationships podcast for adults. If you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shit. So off you fuck. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through. Welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. We are here with another episode of Sloppy Seconds. That's right. We have a wonderful return co-host in the form 
of Emma Race. Hello, Emma. Hello, my dear Nelly and listeners. It's so nice to be Zlobby Seconds. God bless you. That's the coronation I've been looking forward to. <laughs> this is the only context in which you want to be referred to as Sloppy Seconds. <laughs> yes, it's my absolute pleasure. Now, I should forewarn you from the very beginning that I have had a series of migraines and I am high as a kite. So you need to hold me, Emma Race, hold me in this recording. I will hold you closer, tiny Nelly. Tiny <laughs> off the back of that, I will say there must be something in the ether because I'm in day four of a migraine. And oh. I have wondered whether this is the pause, the pause, the peri-peri oh, chicken. This- it's all oh, those it. things. It must be. Of course it is. It's the perimenopause. So, you know, TMI for listeners, but they love that shit. I've been having progesterone shots in the bottom for mm. um, a couple of years to help with the perimenopause symptoms. And it's helped enormously, except that I have put on 20 kilos. Oh, and look, 10 kilos I'd take. Right, I don't need oh, to bitch. Ten kilos. Ten kilos my- is a fil- is an Instagram filter. <laughs> twenty, you can't fit into your jeans. But twenty, I'm like, how many more rounds of clothes can I buy? So I've gone off the bum shots, and they immediately came back. So yeah, welcome to perimenopause. And yes, I do have an appointment booked with a specialist. So no need to at me. And let us know if you want us to do a little spin-off pod called. Peri- perimenopause and the bullshit <laughs> comes oh with it. God. I don't even know if I'm in the peri peri, but I'm. But I am. Four days of migraine is is total crap, and I'm not entirely sure. It could be because I, li- I lift a lot of weights at the gym, Nelly. <laughs> I lift a lot. Don't ask me how much I bench. I'll never tell. <laughs> I still think it's the hot peri peri um, chicken sauce, mm. but who knows? See, the other thing is, and since I'm always banging on in this podcast about getting therapy. I have started with a new um, therapist in the last couple of months and it's a very different style of therapy than what I'm used to. And there's part of me thinking I feel like I'm a little bit unraveled. Mm. In a good way, unraveling Mm. needs to happen, but I also think sometimes when you start doing a bit of excavation, Mm. you know, a few little bindies get stuck in in the works. You're doing the um, it's always darkest before the dawn therapy. <laughs> Look, ever the optimist. Yes, I am. Yes, Good on I you am. for doing it. Good on you for doing it. Oh, there's people that I've seen in traffic on this week that should be in therapy that are not. So you got to practice what you preach. I mean, I've always been a always been a fan of therapy in general, but in particular, I think when you are. Uh, well, if you're middle-aged, but also if you're middle-aged and having gone through a big separation, um, it's absolutely essential. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, let's go back. So you're, you've already joined us as a co-host. What we're doing with Sloppy Seconds is I'm inviting my favourites back for second episodes. What that means, though, is that we don't have to go through your relationship history Thank um, God for that. I thought I was going to have to get a divorce so that I could come back in with some new material for you all. <laughs> not only are you not getting a divorce, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank happy you. It's right now. 14 years today and I was thinking about how little I knew oh, how little I knew 14 years ago yeah. and would I have done it if I'd known what I know now 
The answer, thankfully, is yes. And I've signed on yeah. for another 12-month contract with my husband. Yeah. We just go 12, 12 months. Um, we could go six months if he wanted to, but we, we've signed on for another 12, 12 months to 14 years. We think we've got another at least in us. But um, I was thinking about how little you know people, how, how little you can really know people when yeah. you first get married. And because, you know, whether you've been together for a really long time, it does change the dynamic, I would imagine, when you get married. And um. So I'm pleased to say that we've come through 14 years, which is two double itches, you yeah, know? absolutely. We, we flew past the first itch. I didn't think about it. Now the second itch I think is just the peri-peri. <laughs> I don't think it's the wedding, the marriage. So, yeah, I think about it now and I'm like, oh, I, I backed the right horse. Yeah, and how wonderful is that? I mean, that being secure in that knowledge is really lovely because a quick recap, in your 20s you had, shall we say, a problematic relationship. Mm. Um, and then once you became single in your sort of late 20s and then through to your almost mid-30s, you'd sort of resign yourself to kind of going, look, I'm going to be the best bridesmaid, I'm going to be the favourite auntie, like this whole relationship thing's not for me, and then you met an old footy bloke. Mm. And it's turned out well. And you're remembering all the details despite your migraine, which I'm very impressed about. (laughs) Whoever prescribed you whatever you're eating (laughs) by the handfuls. Um, Yes, and we've been happy ever since and and I feel very lucky and like an absolute smug married asshole. I just heard actually someone on on another podcast saying, you never don't sound like an asshole when you're being interviewed. (laughs) I think that's that's true. I can relate to that. But you know what? I think what's really funny about the process of doing this podcast is like when I get someone on, say, who's, you know, our age and they're dating and they're on the apps and they're getting wooed and they're, then they're worried that they seem smug. Oh, you know? yeah, okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Their married friends are like, oh, why isn't someone taking me to the ballet? Now I have a question about the apps. Yes. When it says, because uh, someone screenshot a photo of someone I know who's on the apps, yeah. which I feel like is a breach because I don't need to see it. And I, did, I didn't mock them, but I, I yeah. was slightly intrigued. But it yeah. said on one of the apps, I think it was Bumble, it mm. said liberal and it had been ticked. And I was like, hang on, is this American liberal? Is that yes. what it's referring to? Okay, because I found that very confronting. Yes, and that is actually um, that's one of the difficult things about navigating the apps because I think the terminology is not universal and particularly politically it means, I mean, even to say conservative, to say liberal, to say Republican. I mean, you could turn up wearing a thong and it's the wrong one. <laughs> or the right one. Or the right one. Or the you right could one. have a thong in your fanny pack and everyone's <laughs> surprised. Yeah, you got to watch that. It's usually American English. Okay. You'd certainly want to check, and I reckon there's probably some misunderstandings with that, particularly with Republican, actually. Mm. Mm. Um, as much as liberal, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's good. Thank you for confirming that. Now, what we're doing in sloppy seconds, and this may relate to what you've just said, um, a terrifying proposition for me, but, you know, I ask my guests to be vulnerable, so I'll do the same thing. I give my return co-hosts a question of their choice. You get a free shot to ask me some of the questions that I asked you last time. So what do you want to know, Emma Race? I have a very particular question and I hope it's not too hard to answer or too hurtful um, because thinking about what you're going through, you know, with your recent separation from the the father of your children 
and the fact that you don't have your kids, you know, 100% of the time. Yeah. My question is for people who are going through that or people who are separated from and not not with the, the partner, with the other parent of their children, yeah. there's a real pleasure obviously when you are parenting together that you get to love those children together the same yeah. amount and share that, you know, look at each other and go, oh, Look yeah. at what they're doing. Oh, it's like, amazing. Yeah. Where does that go? Where, do you yeah. can you still do that with your ex partner, yeah. or d- does someone else take that place? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's a lot of people's fear. I mean, I think it depends significantly on the relationship you have with your ex and where you are in that um, moment in time with them. So if you've had a really acrimonious breakup. Um, I imagine that is a lot more difficult. I mean, in my case, it's a pretty acrimonious, it's not acrimonious, that's the meds talking. It is amicable, you know, as amicable as you can be in a separation, I think. The so, other A word. Particular, an A word. <laughs> reach reach for A words in Nellie's brain and she went. An anaphylaxis. It's an alligator. Particularly in relation to the kids, I think we have both, and I stress this takes two to tango, you know, because I don't want any, speaking of being smug, I don't want anyone listening think that thinking that you can make this happen. You've got to both make this happen. Like if one of you is not doing it, it doesn't work. Um, but we have both been really committed. So it's, like, you know, two and a half years now, we're really committed to that sort of co-parenting and celebrating you know, my daughter got a good result on a test the other day. Of course, the first thing I did was text her dad, you know. So we still celebrate those things. That's not to say it's the same, though, and, and that is that is a loss. Like there's no way around that because you're not in the moment and you don't do all the things, you know. So you'll do that big thing of going, oh, you know, she got a good mark on her test or this one did that or this one did that. But it's those little moments where you're sitting around and you notice, uh, I don't know, that they've improved their vocab or they've handled, they've showed emotional intelligence Mm. or something like that. You're not sharing that anymore. Mm. You know, so, I mean, let's be real, that's a loss. And when you think about weighing that up with, because I fear that some people maybe wouldn't, they'd prioritise their kids over, you know, fitting their own oxygen mask first. Is that a reason why, you know, is that loss great enough that you wish that you'd stayed or do you, can you kind of look at it in terms of a scale? Yeah, without doubt. Like I, for me, I'm really clear on this, absolutely not, and not just for me, for them. Yeah. Because I think if you're modelling a relationship to your kids um, that is not everything that it should be, then you're teaching them to expect less than they deserve. Yeah. You know, so even though, like, we weren't big fighters, it's not like we were, you know, I don't think we ever yelled at each other, not even once. You know, we we didn't have that kind of dramatic relationship. Um, But certainly toward the end it was tense, you know, so there was a lot of tension in the house. And kids are not stupid, you know, like they're just not stupid. They feel what's happening Mm -hmm. and in a way... It's probably worse if the if it's not if you're not discussing it, mm. you know, because they just know something's wrong, but they're not sure what. So I'm a big advocate for looking for a start at the the needs of the whole family, but also, and this is a strong word, but I mean it, 
I think it's delusional to think you're protecting your children mm. by staying in a relationship that's not working anymore. Here's a litmus test that I was yeah. thinking about the other day through the generations of your life or through the chapters of your life. Remember how embarrassing it was as a kid to be watching TV with your parents and then a sex scene comes on, yes. right? Yes. Right, oh. horrific, Her- absolutely Emma, horrific. Emma, Molly and Simon, country practice. I don't remember them doing it. I mean, oh, clearly they did. Them. I mean, Fatso wasn't delivered by Cupid. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, God, I loved Fatso. It wasn't so, a sex scene in the sense of this, what we would understand it now, but I remember that exact moment. Horrific, right? And, oh, my God, all the air getting sucked out of the room and no one can breathe. Yeah. So flip forward um, and tell me if I'm... Tell me if this rings true for you. And I'm sure, well, you don't have to tell me actually, Nelly, it's up to you, but um, people will be listening to this and I wonder whether you've been in a relationship where like you haven't done it for such a long time and then you're watching a sex scene with your partner and the air gets sucked out of the room and you're like, oh, oh my God, I wish I was watching this with my mum. <laughs> oh, my God, I can do one better than that. I was talking to someone who obviously I will it will remain anonymous but someone I know who um, had had an affair and there was a disclosure and um, he was like, the worst thing is every time, like they've worked through it and they've actually stayed together, but every time you're watching a movie or something and there's an affair storyline, it just, it's fresh again. Someone gets, someone puts a kettle on. (laughs) But look, I do, in all seriousness, I think that um, tension Certainly conflict, but tension and even just even a lack of love. And I don't mean, you know, stars circling around everyone's head and big romance. Of course, no long-term relationships like that. But if the love's gone out of the room, kids know that, mm. you know, and and that 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 is no good for them. No. Yeah. No. Well, thank you for answering my question. That was very brave. And I know that it will help people who are listening. I just know it will because all of a sudden then they're like, yeah, same, same, or that was my fear or, you know. Well, and I wonder for some of us sometimes I think maybe, I mean, there are legitimate things to ask about, you know, how you tell kids, how you handle it, what's the best way, all of that kind of stuff. But I do think I see a lot that um, sometimes the kids are the excuse. Yeah. That you're actually scared, like be honest with yourself. You're scared of the judgment. You're scared of loneliness. You're scared of whatever it is, abandonment. There could be a whole range of things. Like try if you can to face that. And are you really talking about the kids? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or uh, is this your shit? Like know your shit, even if you stay. Mm-hmm. Know it's your shit and not your kids. Now we've got, we're keeping armchair expert with sloppy seconds and we've got a meme related to this. So I'm going to read it out to you and see what you think. So the Michelle Dempsey, who's at Michelle D writes on Instagram says, because the most common question I get from listeners is when do you know when you should leave? How do you know? You know, she says, I think the simple question, it all comes down to when deciding whether to stay in a marriage or move or move on is, is this the kind of relationship I'd want for my child to have one day to be treated like this, to feel like I do? If the answer is no, well, there you go. And if you don't have kids, what would, what's a good way to respect your dog? <laughs> or think, I reckon. Think or your best friend or your sister. 
Exactly. Think of the person literally that you love most in the world because mm. that's what that's about. Yeah, that's right. Who do you love most in the world? It could be your sister, it could be your best friend because a lot of us can't love ourselves the most. Mm. And so we are prepared, you know, the, you said before the metaphor of the oxygen mask, we're putting it on everybody else. Mm. Actually sit down and go, right, my best friend, would I want her in this relationship? And if your gut's screaming at you, absolutely not, then why are you in it? Mm. Like I what? think this this is not just for romantic relationships. I think no. this is for friendships. This is even for some relationships you have with your family. Yes. There's a test that I sometimes do where I'll say to my kids, if I hear them speaking badly about themselves, I'll say, I'll pull them aside and I'll say, hey, I just want to let you know someone's been talking shit about you yeah. and they'll look at me with fear and yeah. say, who? And I'll be like, it was you. Yeah. You need to love yourself. You need yeah. to love yourself first. And I know that seems like a mean prank, but it jolts you out of like this yeah. self-loathing or whatever. And it kind of puts a light, like turns the light on. And you remember, I really do need to love myself first. And I think this is an this is a really good and very simple question. Mm. What what you do with the answer is the really hard part. That is really hard, but I think it's we can also overcomplicate it and particularly because there are so many cultural, family and other reasons, economic, other reasons to stay. And so you're searching for any reason to stay. Like no one leaves a long-term relationship easily. And you can, you know, I get so many letters of regret where people are like, I wish I'd left 10 years ago or 20 years ago even. And I think some of it is this, that we're sort of searching around for any reason and we're the last thing that matters. And I just want to remind everybody, it's not selfish to say that I deserve the same as what I would want for someone that I love. That doesn't mean you get everything. We're not babies, right? You don't get everything and no-term relation, long-term relationship is perfect. But if you're sitting there going, if I'm going, I wouldn't want Emma to be in this situation, well, then why would I want me to? Mm. You know, it's a good reminder, I reckon. It really is. Um, Here's another reminder. I saw the Aurora Australis the other oh. day, which is amazing. Yes. And I'm not a Sky nerd, but I was yes. completely invested in this. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's like the Northern Lights but not yes. necessarily in the north. I saw it because I was on the coast um, in down the peninsula and yes. it was so beautiful. And seeing that and, in fact, seeing the stars over the ocean often makes me feel so tiny that I remember that I am here for a a second like if you think about the the who's gone before and who's coming after and the dinosaurs or whatever you believe in you're here for a heartbeat yeah don't don't fuck around find out like seriously you are here for a second make sure you laugh every day make sure that the person you're waking up with is the person that makes you feel you know, that you, you can take on the world yeah. together. And when I, for me that's really helpful when I do, I mean, despite what I said at the start of the episode, my body image stuff's actually pretty good at this age, much better than it's ever been. But when I look back and I think of the amount of years that I wasted over like two kilos or bread or whatever, and then I have that same experience when I'm looking at stars and I think, how ridiculous how would or a mistake I made yeah no or something like that it's like getting perspective actually thinking of yourself as small in that context is 
quite therapeutic. It's yeah. amazing. I was listening to the um, maintenance phase podcast and it was yeah. the one on uh, Weight Watchers. It's so good. And it was the one on Weight Watchers and oh. line just, oh, it slayed me. It said that the inventor of Weight Watchers, when she died, she died at her goal weight. And oh. I, was like, <laughs> I had to pull over. Oh. I was like, oh, fucking hell. If I'm anyone sorry, says yeah. that about me, at my funeral, I have failed. Like, just don't get a forklift if you have to. I don't care. Like, yeah, do really not so. mention my weight at my fun, firstly. Oh, never. And secondly, imagine that being she imagine died at her being your epitaph. Anyone listening who is a medical professional and also anyone who's had, like, body image or weight struggles, I could not recommend maintenance phase more highly. Totally. totally. Like, it's so great. And the spin-off from that. Actually, let's do a little culture share because uh, Michael, who's on Maintenance Phase, he has a spin-off podcast called If Books Could Kill, and they go through different, you know, your bestseller kind of books and basically critique them. This is so good. He's so good, and he's an investigative journalist and his co-host is a lawyer and they really go through the research. Now, this one will blow your mind. You know when we talk about love languages and it's become such a part of the vernacular, oh, my love language is acts of service. Yeah, guess who wrote that fucking book? A conservative Christian pastor and acts of service is shit like doing your husband's dishes. Are you for real? I am for real. Oh, I'm going to have to get it out of my vernacular. I did listen to the one on men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and I couldn't couldn't believe this guy had been shopping that shit around for so long. Yeah. And all the damage that was done from it. Yeah. But this, this is yeah, the love languages one, they so they like, for example, they went back to the original edition where they'd have a scenario where I mean I'm paraphrasing, but a woman would have written in sort of basically going, My husband doesn't treat me very nicely, but basically describe um an emotionally abusive relationship and the recommendations to connect with him physically more. You know, it's like, oh my God, you think these things are completely yeah. Nine, and then you start digging and you go, oh, this is mm. like don't get divorced, stay with anyone, like try harder. You need to fucking more, ladies. You know what? That is just spinning the coercive control wheel and making it look like an option. Yeah, totally. And if you don't oh. know what the coercive control wheel is and you're listening to this podcast, definitely Google it and make sure that you your relationship does not sit on that wheel because I think it's very easy to fall into some of the lesser talked about portions of that wheel yes. and um, in, in any relationship, not just in a romantic one. So um, yes. Google it if you haven't. Okay. So our second meme for armchair expert, just to pivot. Oh, this one made my eyes a little bit damp. It's an unknown source, but when I read it, you know, when you read something, it could be the peri-peri, but I read this and I felt a little bit, mm. There are strong, independent women who still want their hands held and their foreheads kissed. Oh, Emma. <laughs> Emma. It's true. So Andy sent me flowers today for our oh, anniversary. Bless. And it, you know, even the heart of stone of my 13-year-old daughter yeah. was, was crumbling. She said he actually did a pretty good job. Take note. You know, it doesn't have to be flowers. Like it can be... Yeah, again, I was talking to another friend. You asked about when you know that you need to leave and she said it was their 10th wedding anniversary and her husband came home and 
he it's not that he'd forgotten it. He just went, oh, we don't do that, do we? Mm. We don't do presents, do we? Now, of course, you don't need to show up with a diamond necklace, but your 10th wedding anniversary, mate, like, yes, bring home a bloody bunch of carnations if you need to. Yeah, I think I think the thing that with, you know, the forward stroking or the hand-holding is yeah. whatever your version of it is, um, and, and mine is not flowers just for the record, yeah. but, you know, it's not, it's, there's, I think there's just the intimacy of knowing someone who can soothe you or someone yeah. who can say, do, um, you know, touch you in a way that actually no one else does. And yes. that's, that's a little bit of your, like, even if it's just a signal at the last moment of the day, kicking each other in bed or farting under whatever it is, like it could be many and different things, but it's my love language, hot boxing. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I uh, made you a cupcake, not the kind you wanted. Um, yeah, I, I I totally felt it went with that meme. I was like, yeah, that's our secret. That's almost our secret, um, our secret behavior, isn't it? The, yeah. the moment that you want that's just that little tiny piece of intimacy that you go like, oh, I'm home. Yes. Oh, I remember on The Sopranos, one of the women saying, it's, oh, this is, I must have watched this 15 years ago. She's like, he stopped touching my face. You know, and you could just imagine this like little little stroke on the cheek kind of thing. And I think what spoke to me about that meme and why it unraveled me a little bit is that, you know, you're much the same. I think because I present, um, you know, as confident and, you know, and that's true, like I am confident and I am strong and all those sort of things. And I also want someone to hold my hand Mm. and touch my face and say it's going to be all right. And no one's strong all the time. No Mm. one. And I think this is one of the things I notice with, you know, I think you and I have had this discussion before about how female comedians never get hit on, for example, because I think there's something quite intimidating um, about a strong woman, even in 2023. And I reckon I know a lot of strong women who are fucking fire, like all balls, but also go, just hold my hand, Mm. please. That's so true. That's why. That's so true. We're not one thing. No one's all one thing. No, nah, exactly. We're all all the colours of the rainbow. Yes, yes, indeed. All right, you ready for some listener calls? Absolutely. Oh, we've got some doozies for you. Hi, Nelly. Well done on the podcast. It's really impactful and insightful and intelligent and all other great I words, but also really funny. My question today is at what point of dating do you let someone know of your sexual interests? So mine are actually, you know, interests of like a 1978 lesbian um, who is really looking for intimacy and exploration and constancy and not really into the post-porn chokeholds, reductive top or bottom binaries or yeah, anything like that, anything that was on Game of Thrones, I won't be into. At what point do we talk about that? <laughs> the Game of Thrones is what clinched it for me. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Though I do think Tyrion might have been a gentle lover at times. Oh, oh God. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I had to watch that through my bloody pants at times, like yeah. the sexual stuff in that. Um, but this is an interesting. Look, I know you're not single and I know you're not a lesbian, but I think it's like it is 
it's a universal question in a way. It's like when do you reveal yourself, you know, at what point? Because for some people that will be years in, you know, and for others it will be on their Tinder profile. Yeah, that was my question. Do is is that how detailed it can get on oh, profiles yeah. of the apps? I think it depends. I think it depends what space you're in, particularly if you're in like these kink specific apps mm. and you literally put a laundry list. Like I mean Is laundry on there? Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Because I would sign up to that one. I actually think that the way that that um caller discussed what they're into and what they're not into was actually, it was really specific, but it also wasn't super, um, I don't know, it didn't feel super sexual. Like it wasn't it wasn't saying like I need you to, you know, do this five times and then touch yeah. me here and stroke me there and say yeah. this. Like, and I'm doing this and I am doing, yeah. I felt like it was very clear and I almost think like writing it down and saying it out loud are pretty powerful things and also the reductive stuff we, uh, sure it can be sexual but for me it sits alongside violence pretty closely I, I feel like if you wanted to um, be quite specific about that I think that's actually very helpful to the process but am I being am I being a 1950s housewife no I don't think you are and I think what the to me what the the reason I love this call there's a few reasons one because it's really funny um, but also because I think, and we've had a couple of calls in previous episodes on this, there's almost like a perverse pressure that's come from um, sexual liberation in all its incarnations that you have to be up for anything, mm. you know, and that if you are not into kink, if you don't want to be choked, if you're not into S&M, if you're, I don't know, whatever it is, if you're not into role play, you know, um, if you're not into sex toys, you know, there'll be a whole range of things that if people are dating, they're going to, pardon the pun, come across on the apps <laughs> and probably in real life. Yeah, You don't have to be into any of that. You don't have to be into anything. No. And I think maybe we need to have that conversation more because it's not that I think it's swung too far the other way, but I think when you're in that dating space and we are in a post-porn era, like mm. we can debate the the ethics of porn, you know, until the cows come home. The truth is we are in that era and you are going to be asked to do things that you might not be comfortable with. Better off knowing beforehand what your line is. Do you think people on the apps feel that they have to tick more boxes so that they have a bigger capture of potential suitors and then, like, you know, do you have to kind of, say that you would be into more things like if you just put missionary in a big yeah. hairy box thanks like you know that and that's all I've got I like, want 70s bush straight up missionary style place yeah like um, there's still a lot of fun to be had with both of those things that's of, not that doesn't mean you can only do two things you know what I mean like there's still a lot of wiggle room there so I, I feel like you know do you feel that there's a pressure for people to say like yeah get the cucumber out of the fridge or something yeah. Um, I do, but I don't think it's necessarily from the apps. I mean, I'm only speaking from my experience, but I didn't see a lot of that spelled out. Mm. Like it would be more the kind of relationship you wanted. So mm. you want um, casual sex or you want friends with benefits or you're looking for a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty rare that I saw, I mean, every now and then you'd see someone who'd like just really put it out there. 
And I imagine, and I'm, you know, revealing this about myself, I wasn't on the kink sites. Mm. So, but I imagine if you were on the kink sites, that would be probably more upfront because you might be yeah. looking at particular things. I and- think this caller is so eloquent. That yes. You've got, you've got your elevator pitch down to a very fine art. It made us happy. It made us smile because it's so, it illuminated um, what you're looking for. And and I feel like, you know, we're all, I feel like you and I come back to this all the time, be authentic, just yeah. put it out there. And Late 70s pre-porn Leso experience, please. Exactly. I mean, you're going to get a full bush. Like there is no if, buts like or maybe about that. You, you might even get hairy nipples. <laughs> and love it. Um, but I think honestly, the risk is not on the apps. The risk is more when you start dating. Yeah. Because I want you to imagine yourself in a situation where you haven't dated for a long time, which is the case for many listeners. You're out of the game. You don't want to seem like a fuddy-duddy middle-aged, like you all, you said yourself, I don't want to be mm-hmm. 90 housewife. So try as much as possible to get your limits um sorted and if you can even communicate like I think it would be perfectly okay let's say you're into kink for example let's say you and I have been messaging for you know a week and we've arranged to meet up if I have a particular thing that I'm into I think at, to me it's actually ethical and polite for me to let you know that before the date yeah and then you decide you're into it or not also then I'm not in the position of being shamed mm my kink or rejected or whatever it is. So are you saying you shouldn't wait to have this conversation until you're in the bedroom and it's about to happen? Because that feels like the most. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com organic place for you to have that conversation if you're looking for something that's maybe um, more than a hookup depends how good your boundaries are you know Mm -hmm. I think if you know that you're really assertive because let's be honest like the most assertive person even in that situation and I've had callers say this where they're in that room and they feel like going Mm. oh I don't know if I really the most common one's anal like let's Mm. just that out there the most common one is that and that expectation has been set up in the minds of a lot of people and I think it is from porn because Mm. I don't remember that when I was dating first time around I didn't even know I had an asshole exactly or what to do with it except that one time someone accidentally and we both went oh wrong wrong one and we've all been there back door um we have all been there I think if you know truly know that you're confident enough in yourself to go no thanks that's not my it's not my mm-hmm. thing that's a limit for me by all means wait till then mm-hmm. and absolutely that's going to come up you know most likely in that situation but if you know that you find being assertive difficult and there's lots of um, cultural pressure there I reckon try and have that conversation even if you kind of once you start planning the dates once maybe you've been on your first date and you've had coffee or something once you start getting into a flirty zone it's not that you then just you know send a picture of your asshole but don't you then start kind of going you know so tell me about your previous relationships or like you can kind of start steering the conversation and hopefully there's a space 
for them and you to bring up those things. This is a good idea. Texting, like sexy texting is a sexy good place texting. to drop that little line that, that the caller said to us, like, what are you into yeah. and here? And then, then you, your response can be, this is what I'm into. Yes. What I'm not into is this and this. Yes. How do you feel about that? Let's say, for example, they raise um, vibrators mm. and you don't like sex toys. Well, then you know. Mm. And you're not, and if that's a rigid, hard boundary for you, then you know, okay, that this is not the person for me to either have a hookup with or a relationship with. Mm. I mean, I'd also encourage you to think about whether that's just a knee-jerk reaction because you might also, like in that case, for example, I'd be going, have a think, you know. like. But also you can be into something with one person that you're not into it with another person. So you don't have to, you can say, for right now I'm not into that, you know, and also a latex allergy is not real. Yeah. Oh, oh look, very rare. <laughs> very rare. All right. Are you ready for another call? Now, this one's a nice rude one as well. I'm into it. You ready? Mm-hmm. I have a question that sounds ridiculous, but is actually really distressing me. And I'm wondering if other, other menopausal ladies are experiencing the same thing. Um, my clitoris has shrunk. Is that a thing? I went to my doctor and she said, oh, yes, it's probably menopause. Like, this isn't fair. I've reached the time of my life where I've just got divorced and I'm looking to have some really great sex again. And I've discovered that my clitoris is no longer bringing me anywhere near the joy that it used to. Please discuss. And also, if you could find someone with a solution, I'd really, really appreciate it. I want my clit back. Well, Emma Race, I mean, first of all, can we just acknowledge how much would you be spewing if you had made the brave decision to get divorced and become single and could date and then your body let you down? I mean, it's very possible as you get older. I mean, your ears keep growing, your nose keeps growing, (laughs) your belly keeps growing and your eyesight fades. Like, that you even uh, discovered that it's shrunk. Like, how would you know? Like, yeah. some some people would have trouble to find it. But, I mean, honey, I shrunk the clits. I haven't uh-huh. I haven't oh. seen that movie. <laughs> but it'll now be on Pornhub. It will uh, be on Pornhub. Oh. And I just think, firstly, can I just props to this caller yeah. because I have never heard of this. And here yeah. it is, a theme around um, this podcast tonight is today's, you know, um, peri-peri and menopause yes. and all that kind of stuff. The things that we do not know about yes. menopause is ridiculous.com yeah. uh, forward slash women are getting the bum steer because we all know so much about puberty and we don't know enough about menopause. And I, I actually think that there's a new show starting on the ABC where there's people talking about menopause, which we should all watch. But um, this is not one that I had heard of before and it makes me – angry because I'm pretty sure dicks don't shrink as they get older. Maybe they do. If they don't, I'm blaming the patriarchy. But I feel very (laughs) sorry for this caller, but also really props to her for telling us this because there would be other people listening who are like, oh, I thought that had happened. Maybe my fingers were just getting bigger, something like that, not knowing what's going on. It's a real (laughs) Miss Marple mystery, right? So, um, well, because it's so taboo. I mean, I also want to give props to the caller because I love getting anything out in the open that is taboo because we've all got bodies. And, you know, I'm a fucking women's health ambassador and I hadn't heard this. 
Like how shit is the research into women's health and the discussions about women's health? Because once I got the call, of course, I went and did some research. Mm. And, yes, it is indeed a thing. It is a thing. Now, I knew, for example, that a lot of women, particularly going through hormonal changes, which is usually related to menopause, can lose sensation Mm. in the clitoris. Other people go the other way, mind you, and become complete horn dogs. Right. So it's very variable depending on your um, hormone levels. But I hadn't heard of this either. So I went and did research. And yes, apparently it can be, it is common. I mean, when I say common, it's well known. Um, and it can be caused by changes to your hormones, but particularly loss of blood flow to the clitoral area. So should and, we all go rub one out now? Well, yes. Yeah, so the most. Uh, commonly advised treatment, and I stress, I cannot stress enough that you and I are podcasting comedians and have no medical qualifications whatsoever. But go jerk off right now, everybody. Pretty much like healthline.com. I looked at the Australian Menopause Society. I went through a whole range of it. I thought, is this really real? But, yeah, they're kind of saying use it or lose it. Oh, my God. Okay. If anyone... If anyone gets sacked by their boss tomorrow because they had to stay home and jerk off, your boss is a bum. But also Dr. Nellie Google will write yeah. you a letter saying, yeah. sorry, yeah. got to stay home. Or you yeah. need to get yourself a good vibrator or whatever. Now, that doesn't mean, however, that it's going to be fixed because if you've got, you know, like with my migraines, if you've got hormonally... Um, induced migraines, for example, just doing meditation is not going to cure them, right? So you you did the right thing in going to a doctor. I would suggest, however, that you go and see a gyno. Like mm. I think you need either an endocrinologist, like a hormone specialist or a gynecologist, you know, lady part specialist. Um, and actually in case there's something physical going on, because it might be that, you know, you could... Every, all the things they say for everything, Emma, exercise more, mm. eat better. They don't always say rub one out, but it's implied. It is implied. And I'm starting to think that there's asterisks that have been falling off that medical advice. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. I mean, you know this, what we don't talk about, we're so coy still about masturbation. Like the health benefits of masturbation are so well-researched in terms of particularly anxiety and depression um, I think I mentioned earlier, if not, I'll find the the um, the paper for the next time you're on. But there was indeed an entire thesis on the connection between the benefits of masturbation and postnatal depression. Oh, wow. Right there. And it makes sense when you think about it. But because yeah. we don't talk about how much anxiety and depression and even other mental health conditions are in the body, and require a physical solution, Mm. you know, like at least give it a go. You know, when I was single and and hadn't been, you know, hooking up or seeing anyone for ages, I kind of all that stuff had just gone for me. And I was young. I was a young person, right? And I wasn't, I just was like um, just so shut off to it all. I'm very all or nothing really in my life, which I'm, I'm trying in my older years to try and get better at um, being much more, you know, in the middle of all those things. Yeah. Um, But I went to get a massage and it was just a normal massage, not a happy ending one. 
Uh, and I actually cried. Yes, yes. <laughs> when okay. someone laid their hands on me, I remember bursting into tears because I remembered what it felt like to have someone actually touch me. Touch. And I yeah. thought about that. And th- after that, I was like, oh, this is, there's there's reasons to not want to be with people. But actually, yeah, you know, you do actually need physical contact in your life. And there's a physical relief in a, a release in a massage. I mean, there absolutely is. That's why they tell you to drink 75 litres of water yeah. up all sorts of things around I remember I went four or five years ago in fact with producer Faye who'll be listening we went to the um, queer midsummer festival in um, Melbourne and we wore free mum hug t-shirts you know for for so many of the well I thought it was going to be young people who'd been sort of rejected by their families and just sort of letting them know you know there's some mumsy Polish looking ladies walking around if you want a hug (laughs) And some and some goulash, and some goulash. But I ended up the most moving experience for me was you know I love a bear. For those listening who don't know, a bear is usually a sort of chubby older gay man who's very hairy. And this guy just came up and hugged me, and he just started sobbing, like he just started sobbing. And I was probably his age or younger, Mm. but just to have that kind of maternal contact. And, you know, even though it's this happy day and you're running around with your rainbow flags and, you know, happy, happy, and he looked amazing. But it was just like that that um, rejection was sitting in his body. Yeah. Did it get yeah. weird when you started breastfeeding him? <laughs> no. Why do you ask? If that happened to me, I'd also be disappointed and I would also want to sort it out. Like it's not the kind of thing I think there'd be plenty of women of other generations and maybe even now who would kind of go, oh, it's all right, that's just what happens. No, 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 you need to get onto that. You're allowed to want to have sexual release. You're allowed to want to have your sexual functioning being at its peak. And, you know, you don't just have to accept it. I'm glad that you've said that though, Nellie, because I don't know that I am that person because sometimes I do online shopping and, like, I'll accidentally buy a very, very small salt shaker and like a really <laughs> enormous like five kilo bag of like oranges or something. Like, you know, like it'll be 50 bags of oranges. Yeah. Like I'll get it wrong. So if I thought, oh, my clit's feeling more like a size 10 than a size 14 right now, <laughs> I'm not sure that I would speak up. I think I'd be like, oh, no. maybe I've got body dysmorphic clitoris syndrome or something. Like I'm not sure I know how big my clitoris is. Like, uh, and you know, then, it's not something we, we measure, right? No, we don't. We don't even look. There'd be plenty of women of our age, I reckon, who would just kind of go, oh, maybe it's menopause. How many times do you hear? It's the same with periods where you hear about, like one of my daughter's friends who'd had debilitating periods to the point where you're missing out on school mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. They're just, oh, that's just periods. It's normal. You should not be missing a week mm. of school. Mm. Like if this were any other issue, the you'd be at the doctor, you know, and not only that, the doctor would know what to do. Um, are all clitorises made the same size? I'm assuming they're not. No. They can't be. They can't be, can they? And, they all, and the other thing that I think we don't know, I was at Mona recently. The yes. Museum, what is it? New and Old Art? The Museum of New and New and old. You are? Okay, that's us. Oh, Hang God. on, I'm bad with acronyms. And we've it's both had migraines. Tasmania. And it's with the one with the vagina wall. One with the vagina wall. And they all looked very different. And also, I think the thing that we forget is that the clitoris extends well beyond, like, 
behind the the what's gonna say the wall. Oh yeah, it's like a cyclops, right? It's like an eye. This is what I imagine an eye with all those like things that go back into your all those little tendrils or whatever. Yes, I was gonna say tentacles, but that's not as sexy. Tendrils. But Mm. yeah, they they would absolutely vary in size in the exact same way that penises vary in size and you know, boobs and ears. Even even my own boobs, one bigger than the other. All right, now we've got a. Do you have the listener letter in front of you? I do. do you I would like it? you to read our listener okay. letter, please, dear Emma. Okay. I always feel like this is a bit Dolly Doctor, or what should I, I do? Reading the letter. Hi, Nelly. I would have recorded this question, but I've recommended your podcast to too many people who listen to it religiously, and someone is bound to recognize my voice. I'm nearly 40 and have been with my husband since I was 20. We've been married for just over 10 years now and have three children. And while I love him deeply, I can't imagine navigating life and parenthood with anyone else. The thought of him being the only person I'll ever have sex with or even have a kiss within my adult life makes me feel like I'm missing out on the butterflies, aka fanny flutters, right? And excitement. I've been with two other men before him, but I was in my 1920th year and certainly not confident enough in myself or my body to really enjoy those relationships sexually. My husband is the most fiercely monogamous and emotionally loyal person I could have hoped for as a young person in an early 2000s dating world. But as I've gotten older and society has evolved, my views on monogamy and my relationship values have changed. While I'm not interested in opening our relationship up to others, I genuinely don't have an issue if my husband wanted to flirt or sleep with anyone else, particularly as he travels a lot. My only caveat is that I wouldn't want to know that it's happened. I've tried opening up the relationship, but anyway, continue. I've tried having the ethical non-monogamy talk with him and started conversations about how society is changing and how our children will grow up with different relationship values, but it didn't go down well. He says he doesn't ever want to be with anyone else and is worried that me telling him I'm okay with it means that he needs to give me the same allowances, but he isn't comfortable with that. I would never leave our relationship over this, but how do I reconcile someone else's values and expectation of me while trying to live true to my own self? Oh, this is a curly one, Anonymous. This is the curly one. And you know what? The tables have turned because. Yes, because I'm the married lady. lady, Mm. You are uh, like in, I think in in a way, in a better better, um, position to answer this than me. I mean, don't, let's not kid ourselves. I'm going to answer. But what do you think? Yeah, it's a tricky one. There's, I had a lot of feelings reading that because, you know, things do change and you want to live by new values and, I guess, you know, the hope is that um, my friend Gail, I always feel like Oprah when I say my friend Gail, my friend Gail always says, you know, there's more than one person in the world that you could fall in love with. And once you've met one of them, you just hope like hell you never meet another one because, Mm. you know, yeah, Gail, she's amazing. If you're going to commit to someone, this is what marriage is. This is why it doesn't last. This is why it's a challenge. It's all those things because, you know, people do grow and change over time. I read this letter a couple of times because 
you know, I don't, I don't think this is rare. I think this would be, um, look, you know, you, you're really good. This this letter writer is really good at saying what they want. And I, I think that that's where maybe it might differ with other people who are married who are listening to this or, or in, in long-term relationships. And I think it's, I think it's probably on the minds of lots of people and you joke about this is the last person I'll ever have sex with, right? And what I came back to is that you go through seasons of your relationship. Michelle and Barack Obama have been married, you know, whatever, for 30 years and she says 10 of them were shit but 20 of them were great. So where you're at right now is a crossroads, I think, because the physical stuff is really important and it seems important to you and you're prioritising, you know, having those awkward conversations and I think that's important. There's a few things that I took away from it. Firstly, if you've had one conversation with your husband, he probably shat his pants. Mm. It might, but you may have a window to go back and have a second conversation with him about this in a way that doesn't feel as threatening to him the second time hearing it. The other thing I thought is have you exhausted all of the potential that he can still give you those flutters? Mm. And mm. I don't necessarily mean in in bed, but like maybe maybe it is that, but maybe you can say to him, I'm coming to you with an issue that I have. I want us to be able to resolve it together. How can you meet me halfway? So how can he give you those flutters? What would happen if he sent you a little sexy text during, on a Wednesday afternoon. What if after you guys have been making out, he sends you, um, you know, he, he sends you a text that says like, when you did this, I felt this and that was amazing. You know, is there a way that you can change the gears of the relationship that you're in with him at the moment to get those flutters back? Because it sounds like you love him and you're saying you're never going to leave him. Mm. Um, and thirdly, you know, this ethical non-monogamy is it's really new to me and I've only learned about it because of this podcast and it's possible that you've learned about it because of this podcast too is there an opportunity for him to start listening to this podcast and be something that then would be like a really interesting third um, element to your relationship that you could start having much more open dialogue Mm. they were my thoughts yeah Yes, they were some of my thoughts. Um, I mean, I want to say first and foremost, I reckon good on you for tackling it, you know, and for having that open conversation rather than letting sort of resentment build up and being frustrated and, you know, you can easily build a story that he's taking away your chance to be your full sexual self rather than I'm in a marriage in which that's not possible at the moment. So I think the fact that you've opened it up is good. And I agree with you. This might be the first time he's ever even heard of that concept. And if I were him, I'd be thinking, are you having an affair? Mm. Or do you want to have an affair? Like why else would you ask for this if you're not in that space already? So I hadn't really heard of this until I started listening to Savage Podcast, uh, the Savage Lovecast, which I've mentioned many times, which I really like. But I saw it a lot when I was doing online dating. So ENM is ethical non-monogamy and there's a lot of people asking for it. And I think if you're in that online dating space, you would have seen it and you would have considered it. I will say, I don't know if he needs a defence at all, but I'll just say I think I'm pretty open-minded. I think I don't feel any judgment. I know people in ENM relationships. I personally wouldn't have one. 
So I don't think he's not like weird, too vanilla, too anything for his reaction. I think it's understandable. Some of us are built that way. Some of it's cultural. In a way, it doesn't matter. He doesn't want it. I agree with you that you could circle back and ask again because your first reaction might be reactive, you know, and an, an immediate no. But if he has time to think about it and he's like, no, I want a monogamous, monogamous relationship and that's what we signed up for, mm. that's your answer, mm. you know, and then you've either got to decide whether you will accept that or not. And if you don't accept that, then you need to leave. Sounds to me like you don't want to leave and you're not going to leave. Um, so in that case, as Emma said, and I couldn't agree more, what are the other options then? Because it's also not okay for him to just kind of go, oh, well, it's not important. You know, your sexual exploration's is not, not important and we're just business as usual. No, no, no. You need to, I don't know whether it's seeing a sex therapist, I don't know whether it's trying, do you try some ethical porn? do you suggest getting um, a sex toy? I mean, do you try something that is not already part of the sexual mix? Because you and I both know, Emma, like they've been married a long time, they've got three kids, your day-to-day shit can kill your sex life Mm -hmm. and it can overtake, you know, the rest of your relationship. He needs to come to the table with some ideas. One thing that I, I, I'm loath to say it, but I kind of think, you know that movie Indecent Proposal? Yes. <laughs> right? So they, at, if if you haven't caught up with it, uh, a millionaire asks a couple, you know, how much would it cost for me to have a night with your wife? And they think, well, we could do with the money and, well, and she's not, you know, so she goes for it. It's possible that you're, you don't know what the fallout will be. Even if he was to say, go for it, I can't provide this for you, I'm not going to do it but I'm, I am I love you and I support you and you do what you want to do. If you're getting fanny flutters from someone else, um, if you're coming home at night and having to have a shower because you've been with someone else before you hop into bed with a husband that you love that you're never going to leave, I don't know what that does to you after the relationship. I'm not putting judgment on it, but it is, um, it's, a, it's a bit of a seismic shift. And, you know, the other thing is having this conversation you know, I think if my partner said this to me, yeah. I would internalize it and think, what am I not doing? What is it about me that you don't like enough to want to be with just me? Yeah. Because we did sign up for this. Now you're 10 years in, you've got little kids. It is hard. It is a hard road. It is a barren, it is a sexually barren road. Your body has been through um, oh, an absolute so freaking shit show. You haven't owned your body and maybe you are back feeling yourself and that is power and that is that is a fantastic thing. But if you want to stay in this relationship, I feel like you've got to work out how the two of you are going to tango. Yeah. I'm going to push back because I know and love you and I know you'll accept this. I'm going to push back on one thing you just said. Mm which is I don't think it is at all about if that was in your your situation or her husband or whatever, that does not mean that they're inadequate. It is not about them. I think it is. No, but a- I would feel that. I would feel that that, 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 the, that the communication. Yeah, and that may be, but you I just I mean? don't know how that changes the relationship. 
No, but I think it's it's important part of the conversation for people listening that if they have been approached with that idea, it can literally be about, and I say that as someone who wouldn't do it, mm. honestly, but I think we need to ha- be able to have that conversation and to be able to kind of go, these are the reasons that I wouldn't do it. Mm. I don't take it personally because I think it can literally be that not an inadequacy in you, but a change in them. Yeah, so I and I'm sure she was really compassionate the way she broached it with with him, I'm sure, because they're in a loving relationship and she wants to stay with him. Yeah. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. tell you what worries me in it though is when she says, um, I'm not interested in opening our relationship up to others, but I don't have an issue if he wants to sleep with someone else because he travels a lot. That is opening up the relationship. And the thing that worries me is the disconnect between the two halves of that sentence because I think if you were ever going to approach opening up your marriage, oh, my God, I mean, all marriages require incredible communication, but an open marriage would require the highest levels of EQ Mm -hmm. and communication and honesty. And that just implies to me that maybe she's sort of fibbing to herself a little bit yeah pentagon special clearance like (laughs) top level yeah yeah you know all the codes but it feels to me and i could be wrong because obviously we only have the letter to go on Mm. it sounds like it's a hard no from him and so if you're not going never never accept your first offer though (laughs) Melly, go back no, I feel like, but I, it does thing. sound it does sound like a hard no. But I really feel like it, it can't be the end of the conversation, or it's no, the, it like it cannot not for not for you, dear yeah. gorgeous listener and letter writer. You yeah. like, I I think you know that would have maybe scared the crap out of him. Yeah, hard no, clamshell, lock yeah. it up. I'm interested to know, like, what's your sex life been like with your partner since you had that conversation? You know, is it are you feeling like you're back in the intimacy? game with that person or like you know I think you've started a ball rolling here I reckon you're going to need to you know this is dig in time yeah I totally agree all right are you ready for our final segment this is a new segment for our return guests and it's called big mistake (laughs) so I would like to know Gorgeous Emma Race, what is one of the big mistakes that you see or have experienced in relationships or dating? Okay. We've touched on a few um, cultural conversations, like, you know, cultural kind of cornerstones in terms of podcasts and books and things today uh, in this episode. And um, I'm going back to the same well for this one, which is relationships that you see on TV are yes. not real. Oh, so, so when you're looking at, and, you know, we've talked about porn tonight, so yeah. th- that is not real. Um, yeah. And we know that, but, you know, the, I guess that the the struggle is to make younger people realise that that's not real who are embarking on their first sexual relationship or whatever. But, you know, romantic relationships that we see in movies and books also not real now i I had do have an example from my real life which was a massive mistake that i made i had seen the episode i was i was kind of seeing someone and i um 
I wasn't 100% sure about him, but we were having an okay time. Yeah. And I had just watched the episode of Sex and the City where Miranda has to call all of her ex-lovers and yeah. tell them that they have an STD, that she, they might need to get tested for yeah. an STD because someone that she was with had an STD. And I was feeling, oh, you know, ethical dating, right? Yeah. I found something on my body that I thought needed full disclosure. So yeah. I called this person and said, <laughs> look, I think I've got a wart down there. I don't know. I think you better go get checked. It was humiliating. I was embarrassed to say it. And then I felt like he kind of held it over me. What? A little bit like, oh, you've given me warts. You can't leave me now because whatever. Oh. Anyway, as it turns out, oh. it was a pubic hair pimple. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd gone ethical too early. So my lesson was don't listen to Miranda in Sex in the City because it was just a pimple. Or I didn't even have to go reason. to the GP and then I disclosed something and he can't put oh. that genie back in the bottle. And even though I told him it was a pimple and that, oh, isn't that funny? We can all learn to live with it and laugh. Um, I never spoke to him again and I really feel like if I passed him in the street he'd be like, oh, she gave me potential genital warts, which I didn't and I don't have That's genital right. warts and neither does he. You know what's really great about that? You, Your little ingrown hair pube pimple showed you who he was. That's true. Because if you disclose that and then he joked about it, tried to hold it over your head, tried to go, you have to stay with me now, that sort of shit. Oh, off you fuck, dude. Yeah, I never saw I never saw him again for a reason. But the other thing from him. I do what else was annoying. I love a pubic hair pimple and it really ruined it for me. Oh, did it get that big festered infectory ones where you oh Yeah, but then you know eventually when it pops, it's the greatest day of your life. (laughs) Number one, ahead of giving birth to your children and a very similar relief feeling. (laughs) It was just and so have I said too much? I may have said too much. I was just gonna say this is hot. This is really (laughs) hot. What a hot way to end a sex and dating relationship podcast. The best day of your life will be when your festering pustule of a pubic hair pops all over your snatch. So who wants to have sex now? <laughs> Do you no, like Dr. Just... Pimple Popper? Yeah, I love Dr. Pimple Popper. I love it hard, but I have a very, it's like, actually, do you know what? I don't watch porn, but I watch Dr. Pimple Popper and I have a particular kink. <laughs> it's blackheads. I like blackheads. It's blackheads. I try and pay. I've got a teenage daughter. There's blackheads around. I've got to the point where I'm offering yes. her 20 bucks. Yeah, I would too. Please. I've got one waiting for me out there when I. <laughs> she, w- she won't break. She <sighs> won't break. I'm just like, just let me. You're not meant to, mum. I saw it on TikTok. You're not meant to squeeze them. I'm like, TikTok's not your mother. <laughs> that's right. I birthed you out of my own festering vagina. Bring that blackhead up. <laughs> on that you know, night, sometimes I'm um, sorry. I'm. I'm you should ask for it for Mother's Day. <laughs> Do you know what my love language is? Blackheads. Shit. Totally. And it's free for other people. Oh my God. This is that disgusting. Is awesome. This whole podcast is going to need a very, very big E for explicit, disgusting pimples and gross things. But it's honest. Nelly, it's I, honest. I love assist. Love assist. Mad you, can, you can have them. I'm not interested in them. Oh, no, I'll Lance assist. Oh, That's no. how much I love, a pimple pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thanks. No, thanks. Yeah. You're welcome, Sammy. Um, Emma Race, you're a delight. Thank you so much for coming back. Will you? Co- I don't know what we'll call the thirds, but will you come back again? Yeah, I'll, yeah I'm, I'm all yours, Nelly. You know that. 
I'm in love with a beautiful woman. And I am your tiny dancer. Not as tiny as I used to be, but hot as fuck. You're the perfect sized dancer for me. <laughs> and he said to me this morning when um I said happy 14 years, babe, and he goes, don't you fuck this up? And I said, how would I fuck it up? And he goes, oh, you probably leave me for a woman. And I was like, it's <laughs> actually true. That probably is how I would fuck this up. But, you know, we talked about this last time. He, to me, is my perfect lesbian. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to welcome him to the club. Yeah, I know you are. You're very kind like that. Thank you for having me. I love being here. I love your listeners. I love I love how honest it is. Yes. So thank you very, very much. Suck out the rest. Love you. Bye-bye. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of view. Dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more, dear Nelly, so I'm hoping we can talk it through. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy and you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to Acast and all the team. And lastly, to you. Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.